0: Nothing is so fleeting as sporting achievement and nothing so lasting as the regulation of it.
1: This is the Couch Talk podcast. Hello and welcome to Couch Talk. I'm your host Subhash Jayaraman. Joining me on this episode of the podcast is uh, English quick bowler, Harry Gurney. Thanks a lot for being on the show. Good to be here. It's an absolute pleasure talking to you. Let's talk about bowling in the short formats, especially T20s and the two deliveries that help you make a living around the world, um, slowers and yorkers. How many different types of slower deliveries do you bowl? Off cutter, leg cutters, knuckleball, split finger, back of the hand.
0: In terms of the way I actually release it from my hand too, um, one out the back of the hand and a cutter, an Um, off-cutter, but obviously you can vary the length and the line of them and you can also change your angle by coming over and around the wicket, um, which is something I've always come around the wicket a lot to right-handers, but I've started in the last year coming around to left-handers as well um, with a a fair degree of success, so... uh, Within all these variations, if you keep changing the angle and you keep changing the, the, the line and the length of those deliveries depending on who you're bowling at as well, then it can make you quite unpredictable, really, even though it's actually only two different varieties
1: of swallable. So when you try to master, uh, in your case, you two, essentially two slower deliveries, so when you choose to add something to your armory, what is the uh, time between conception to actually employing it in a match? And what is the process?
0: I think it depends on what the skill is. So um, if it's, say, working on a wide slower ball rather than a straight slower ball, which I've started to do more of, um, that you can implement pretty quickly. But when I first developed my back-of-the-hand slower ball, that was, a, that was a longer process before I had the, uh, the balls to bowl it in a game. I, I, I was, I'd been working on it in the nets for a while and had some really good feedback from the batters I was bowling at. Um, and this was probably in sort of 2008-2009 um, we were playing a one day game I was playing for Leicestershire at the time against Kent at Grace Road in a, in a one day game and the game was gone it was dead. they needed about 20 off 10 openers or something 2 down or whatever it was um, I'll never forget Darren Stevens was batting and, mm-hmm. I, and I got thrown the ball and it was um, one of those spells where I just thought I'm going to experiment because the game's dead anyway so I bowled this back and hand slower ball it came out perfectly, it didn't get him out, um, but that gave me then the confidence to, to use that ball in, in games going forward, and um, obviously it's a delivery that's brought me a fair amount of success. And then the first, my first memory of it being really successful was throughout the 2011 season for, for Leicestershire in the T20 Blast, where I picked up a lot of wickets with it, and then at the end of the season went to the Champions League, played in Hyderabad and would play against called Haruna, a Sri Lankan team, yeah. um, and th- this particular delivery st- stands out in my memory, it was Sanath Jai Saria, um, it just smacked me for four of the ball before, which was in the power play at the start, and I at the back of the hand and it's sort of pitched, pitched middle and clicked the top of his off-stun, um, <laughs> just came out perfectly, and yeah, th- that, that's a, a delivery that really sticks out in my mind, so I guess it was a two or three year period to get to that point, but... Um, yeah, if it's something that's completely new and feels risky, I think wait for a time in a game where uh, there's not a lot on it and it's not important, um, which, is, which is what that kind of game did. You know.
1: So what is uh, the back of the hand slower? Is, is it the toughest slower to uh, ma- you know, learn to bowl and then master and then takes the most courage to bowl as well?
0: Yeah, maybe it's certainly it's certainly harder than a cutter. I think pretty much every bowler in the world can run bowl a bowler cutter. Um, <coughs> so it's certainly tougher than that. I mean, increasing amounts of bowlers do have a back of the hander now. I think the knuckle ball is another one that's probably a, a similar level of difficulty, which is becoming be more more and more common in the game around the world. Um, I'm personally a big fan of Ben Lockwood's slow ball. That, that um, I've not had a chance to. I want to try and grab him. He's staying in the same hotel as us. I want to try and grab him at some point for a bit because he. Uh, it's almost like a curve ball, you manage to get drift on it, which is, uh, which is pretty cool, so yeah, yeah, there's always other things you're looking at, and, uh, I'm playing around a little bit with a knuckleball at the moment, but um, yeah, yeah, as I say, the, the two slower deliveries that I have mixed in with pace on balls uh, from various different angles and different
1: lines and lengths, is quite a lot of variation in itself. You mentioned about the offcut uh, being one of the easiest ball, but at the international level, uh, I'm sure batsmen can pick very quickly, but still bowlers bowl and still end up being successful. So what aspects of the off-cutter, the innocuous off-cutter, that still works?
0: Yeah, I mean, you're right. I think I think when I turned up at this tournament, I'm almost certain that the analyst at every other team that I've played against would have told them what variations I bowl, but you've still got to be able to hit it at the end of the day. And um, I think any pitch where there's a little bit of purchase for the spinners uh, means that a seamer's going to get a little bit of purchase with their with their um, off-cutter. And you know, there are varying degrees of off-cutter as well, aren't there? I mean, I've, I've, I've studied uh, Mustafiza mm-hmm. because I think his off-cutter is obviously probably the best in the world. I've watched him, I've started bowling mine cross-seam rather than seam up um, because it's more likely to hit the seam. and have had more success since I started doing that, and and I use it more, I've used it more on the pitches out here in the Caribbean than probably anywhere in the world, so um, it's a case of adapting to whatever surface you're playing on as well.
1: What makes, uh, talking about the fizz, what makes his uh, off-cutter that much difficult to play?
0: I think the amount of purchase he gets on it, the amount of revs he gets on it. He's um, Mm. he's got freakish wrist, um, and he's able to to get a huge amount of revs on it, and and a lot of Therefore, more deviation off the pitch probably than your average
1: offcut. So, you know, I, I'm going back to listening to commentary on television where Shane one, is uh, talking about spin bowling, you know, Murley and himself. More revs you put on the ball, you get dip as well. So that's also a challenge that it's not coming at the same length that you think it is. Mm.
0: Yeah, yeah, you sometimes get some dip. You might even get, like I said, the lock of the pace, a little bit of drift.
1: And yeah, you know, any deviation
0: off the pitch is, is, difficult for a batsman to deal with, probably a bit more difficult to deal with than, than swing bowling, So, um, because it's, it's later, the movement later.
1: Hmm. At any moment in a match, as a bowler, you, know, you want to bowl a slower delivery, but what gives you the confidence that it is going to be successful?
0: I think having the correct field set for that delivery and uh, experience of past successes.
1: But when... You said the field, obviously there's so much analysis going on. Uh, when you set a field, um, there's another uh, phrase that you hear on commentary, oh, you telegraph the field. So the batsman knows what's coming, so then you know, it's, it's kind of an open secret what's coming next. Um, so how do you ensure that you're successful?
0: One of my main philosophies, and I started working to this philosophy a long time ago, but any field that I set in a game, um, at the depth I'm talking about here, I, would, I need to be able to bowl at least two different deliveries to it. Hmm. Um, so if I set a spinner's field with fine leg up, third man at point point pointer, and say extra cover or cover up, so basically everyone in front of square out of the boundary pretty much, um, I can bowl a yorker and a slower ball to that. Hmm. Um, and you can actually even get away with a slower ball bouncer uh, if the line's right, because it's going to get pulled in front of square more likely. As my career has gone on and I've become more successful, actually, what I've realised is I can bowl far more than two variations to that same field. Hmm. Um, and also, what's becoming increasingly popular in T20 cricket at the moment is bluffing. So a lot of bowlers, what they'll do is they'll bring five, five, and third man and they'll bowl amounts still, uh, because they're playing mind games with the batsman. So, in addition to the fact that I can bowl three or four different deliveries to the same field, actually, if you throw in a couple of bluffs as well, mm. you can pretty much bowl to the same field at the death, regardless of what delivery you're bowling. Correct. Um, some captains might not like that. I certainly wouldn't run in and bowl a lot of short balls with five over third man up, but I think the odd, the odd one thrown into the mix, um, to keep the bats on his toes, doesn't hurt.
1: So, how does, as a player, and you're judged based on results, not the, even though as players and team, you're focused on processes, but you're judged on results, there is no window to the outside world that tells what the process is going on mentally and what preparations you've done, and sometimes you might be judged harshly. Oh, you had a field out, but then you bowl a short ball, and then the narrative takes off, uh you know. It's not a good bowler or a clever bowler. He it doesn't. It's not. It doesn't bowl to the field and stuff. So, how does? You're a veteran uh, of cricket, so you know you're, you're further down the career. But somebody starting new may not be so adventurous. So, how does one handle this situation?
0: Firstly, I wouldn't. I don't bluff often, and I wouldn't recommend bluffing often. Um, <laughs> but to throw the odd one into the mix without having to change your field and telegraph it, I don't think is necessarily a bad thing. Um, and if you aren't bluffing too often, then you aren't going to get criticised for not bowling to your field too often. I think the key really is execution, preparing well and executing your deliveries. You know, whatever field you've got set, the other night at um, King, I had laugh back, I had long back, I had the correct field. I stood at the end of my mark and thought I'm going to bowl a Yorker, which is not an incorrect decision, but I failed to execute it. it landed in Tobago (laughs)
1: Um,
0: so ultimately whatever field you have set whatever plan you've got and whoever you're bowling at ultimately once you've made the decision on what ball you're going to bowl it's all about execution Um, and all you can do with regard to that is go through your processes that you touch on in practice, just practice, practice, practice it's so important, you know I spend a lot of time practicing my yorkers, a lot of time practicing my slow balls because I know that in the heat of the moment if you execute it with the correct field set and over a, a long
1: uh, period of time, and you're going to have more success than failure. Is there um, sort of a library of experience that you build upon, um, keep feeding into, that allows you to further be more confident in thinking of a delivery to goal while you're standing on top of the mark, given the circumstances and the condition and the batsmen that you're facing, um, that you're willing to use a delivery, that, or a bluff for that matter, that you may not have done um, in some time, is that what allows you to be successful in executing it? Yeah,
0: I think so. And for me, actually, I know that my practice is good. I know that I practice hard. I know that I practice the right things. I know that I pra- put myself under pressure in training. So all those boxes are ticked. For me, the biggest thing, and what annoys me more than anything, is when I make a poor decision on the pitch. Hmm. Um, and still now, after all these years. After most T20s, even on a night where I've had a good night, there are often one or two deliveries that you look back on and think, I probably made the wrong decision there, I just chose the wrong ball, and you've just got to try and learn from that, and and, um, you are always learning, and and I think as your career goes on, you make fewer and fewer of those mistakes, but um, it still happens. As I say, that's the thing that uh, I really focus on now more than anything, is actually what what is the correct delivery at this moment
1: in time. So as you, after a match, um, as you review the decision-making process and uh, the um, level of ex- execution of it, you know, for a T20, it's 24 deliveries you're doing. Uh, if it's a 50 over to match, it's 60 deliveries. And you, know, you might be reviewing um, first-class cricket too. I don't know how, what level of detail you uh, review. So what is that process, the review process? Is it just... You with the laptop and the analyst, or you just playing it back in your head? What is the process?
0: More playing it back in my head, to be honest. You know, there are certain balls that you bowl in a game that you look back at. I mean, for example, the Guyana game the the night, uh, I sat in the changing room afterwards, and I don't need a laptop or an analyst to tell me. I went back through the game in my head, worked out which ones were poor execution, and uh, you can almost cast that aside. And then focus on which ones were poor decisions. And I think to King, uh, he seemed to be more able to deal with me from around the wicket than mm. from over the wicket. So looking back, should I have identified that sooner? Maybe um, will I bowl over the wicket to him more in the final on Saturday? Um, if we qualified, yeah, probably um, because that was my assessment of that particular game. I didn't bowl as well as I as well as I know I can, but um, at least I've come out with it, out of it with, with a positive.
1: Uh, I remember listening to Ricky Ponting once, and uh, he said he would write things down um, before the, the, on the eve of match, uh, whether it is a test match or for Tasmania, or whatever. He would actually write down his visualization. Do you have any techniques like that, or you just go by the feel of it? Yeah, no, not really. I'm
0: um, increasingly uh, more just sort of go by the feel of it, as you say. It's, uh, I think as you progress through the game, you you've, you often come up against people that you've played against several times before anyway, so you don't need to do too much analysis of them. It's important uh, to get a rough idea of what people's strong areas are, and that's that's all I've asked the bowling coach and analyst here at Barbados, really. Any player that I'm unfamiliar with, what's their strong areas? Mm-hmm. You know, if they, they're looking to break shackles, where are they going to go? Uh, and more often than not, it's the same answer, middle wicket, long <laughs> um, and. Yeah, I, tr- I try to just focus on myself um, and I do spend a lot of time thinking about the game, thinking about my performances afterwards. Hmm. And I put them to bed and think about my opening performance. But, um, writing it down is not something I do, but uh, I can see why it would work.
1: Um, I want to talk about um, these two deliveries that you called in the 2019 IPL against uh, Rajasthan. It was just part of that. Uh he hits you for a six, slower delivery. Next delivery, you bowl another slower, um, and he gets caught at uh, long on, deep long line, right on the boundary, uh, feel it to stretch out. I think. So you just got hit for a six. What gives you the confidence um, to come back and bowl this slower um, again? And uh, is there any bluff involved in here that he might think that you may not do the same thing? Uh, what's going on here?
0: Yeah, I think there's a couple of things I would say here. One is, um, pretty much every time I'm walking back to my mark, whatever's happened in the previous delivery, I'm trying to work out in my head what is the last thing that the batsman is now expecting me to hmm. Um And what gives me the confidence to do it, I think, is an acceptance that you are going to go for boundaries in T20, particularly against people like Joss Butler. Um, you know, I pride myself on staying pretty calm on the pitch and pretty level-headed, so... Um, I don't tend to react much differently whether I've knocked someone's middle stump out of the ground or whether I've been hit out of the stadium. You know, it's, it's all part of T20 cricket. I don't get too carried away when I take a wicket. I don't get too down when I get hit for a boundary. So I think that's what gives you the confidence to um, bowl whatever delivery you plan on bowling the next, the next ball. Just because um, having done it for a long time, um, when you're bowling at one of the best, most destructive batsmen in the world, an acceptance that you are going to go to the boundary.
1: Hmm. Um, I want to have, have two follow-up questions on this. Uh, one, players like JAWS, um, that open up 360, right, so what good is setting a field and executing a delivery, especially when they are, you know, near the top of the form? Uh, they don't even have to be in peak form either. Um, how do you handle that? Is it just occupational hazard, and then you move on? How, do you, how does one take it as a bowler?
0: You have to accept that there are going to be days where they win. Um, it might sound defeatist, but, but they are very good players. That, that isn't to say that you don't try and minimize those days. And I think, for me personally, I can't speak for every fast bowler, but for me personally, the whole 360 degree thing is slightly less of an issue because of the amount of variety that I bowl back-of-the-hand slow ball. I think to, to go across your stumps and try and paddle me over fine leg when it could be a back-of-the-hand slow ball with no pace on it um, is a slightly riskier option. So those kind of batters, I've not bowled a huge amount at AB, certainly not the depth, but uh, those kind of batters don't tend to uh, try and flick and paddle me as much as maybe they might do um, who, who bowls predominantly Yorkers with pace on or are lengthened Yorkers with pace on. Gotcha.
1: Um, there is... There was an, uh, another video of you that I saw and you were in Nets with Nottinghamshire. Um This is two and a half months before that particular season was starting and you were uh, practicing your slows. Um And, uh, you know, one of the uh, deliveries you bowled, you walked back and you note to the coach that uh, it's a length that matters, the line not so much. Mm-hmm. Could you expand on that philosophy to
0: I think my back of the hand slower ball, um, if I bowl it too short it sits up and gets dealt with. If I bowl it too full the batsman can almost readjust and it can, it can get dealt with. But if I get it on that perfect length, that is when it, it dips onto that length and the batsman can't quite get out in front to reach it but can't go back to it. Um, and, and the dip and the lack of pace can deceive them and I think it doesn't matter whether that's just inside the wide line or at their heel almost. Um, whereas the length certainly does matter. Um, there are certain batsmen where I would certainly err on the wide side um, because when you bowl straight track and down, they're more likely to hurt you, but certainly length for me with my back around slow ball and my off-cutter are far more
1: important than mine. Is that true for um, all the quick bowlers and the slower deliveries and the variations they have? Is that true that... They need to hit the absolute length that they want to hit uh, more than the line.
0: Depends on the format. I think I can remember one of my very first bowling coaches as a kid, um, adamant that and this was pre T Twenty days almost. Um, adamant that line is the most important thing um, because if you run in with, with a red ball and you bowl at sort of off stump um, all day, then you, you know you're probably not going to get hurt as much as if you if you hang it outside off stump holding short, and that kind of stuff. So, I
1: think it probably varies from,
0: from bowler to bowler. My personal philosophy is that, that, as I say, particularly with my slower balls, that length uh, is the most important thing. Uh, with pace on, it's essential to bowl straight. Hmm. If, if you don't bowl within the width of the, the, the stumps with pace on the ball, it's going
1: to disappear. Is there anything called, uh, quote-unquote, being found out? Uh, when it comes to uh, quicker bowlers with a lot of variations, because uh, I want to specifically bring up a name, uh, former uh, former England, still playing the Surrey, Jake Dernbach, you know, he had the pace, he had the variations, he had a quicker slower ball and a regular slower ball and all kinds of tricks, uh, back of the hand, uh, beautiful. But his highs were quite high, and his lows were very low, uh, and for the person with that kind of talent, he played only three years for England and hasn't played, you know, is there anything called being found out?
0: I think it exists in the game, but I wouldn't say Jade is an example of that person, no. I still think he's one of the best death bowlers in England, um, and probably should have played more international cricket than, than, he, than he ended up playing. Yeah, there are cricketers that come along, and... Um, they'd find it harder in their second or third season because everyone sort of gets used to them a little bit. And that's always something that you've got to be wary of to try and keep developing, to keep trying to add another string to your bow. So um, that is important. But uh, as I say, uh, for me, uh, I think probably Jay gets more criticism than he deserves. I still think he's a, a, a real high-class
1: bowler, particularly in white ball, but actually in all Let's switch uh, to the other thing to talk to you about yorkers I was listening to an interview with Jaspreet Kumra where he said you know, yeah I can bowl the yorker and you know, so everybody expects me to bowl uh, over of yorkers or a whole spell of yorkers he said bowling a single yorker takes a lot out of your body could you explain what is it what, what does he mean by that
0: well I think it's a bit of an effort ball and you're actually striving to bowl it fuller as well so um, there's a bit more of a delay in your bowling action in order to, to get it fuller. So I would agree with that, actually. Uh, it, 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 it's harder on your body than probably any other delivery. Um, and I would also agree with him that I think building a reputation for one particular delivery isn't a bad thing, because everyone then expects you to just run in and mull that delivery, and
1: um, you can sometimes play up to that. There is also a notion that if you have a... Um sort of slingy action, it's uh, it's more suited to bowl yorkers. Um, then, once again, going back to Bhomra, he's got a ramrod straight arm uh, coming over the top. So uh, what is your understanding of, I mean, because you're an exponent of yorkers, so what does it take to bowl a yorker, effective yorker, consistently? The number one thing is practice.
0: You know, regardless of what your... Action is um, practice, practice, practice. You know, I practice yorkers more than anything else. Um, even though in a game I might only bowl three or four, um, because it's such an essential ball for me in T20 cricket to have in your armoury. So, yeah, I I practice a huge amount, and that is that is by a long way the number one consideration. And then I think after that, finding your way, which you do through practice, so experimenting. Um, Some people find that a lower arm, slingier arm helps them. Some people find that lifting their chin up in their run-up helps them. Some people find slowing their run-up down helps them. Some people find holding their breath helps. Some people find focusing on the top of the stumps rather than the base of the stumps or somewhere on the pitch might help. So there are so many different ways that you can um, play around and try and find a method that works for you. And I think just through hours of practice, you work out your method. Um, and not only do you work out your method, you, you hone it and you become, you become good at it. I think it's an extremely difficult ball to bowl, and I, think, I don't think people realise how hard it is to bowl. Mm. So to give you an idea, from the point where you release the ball, if you were to draw two lines a metre apart either side of the crease, i.e. a metre length, which would be sufficient in your game. It's probably generous, but that's we the that the angle between your release point and the front line and the back line, where it could potentially pitch, is narrower than the bullseye for a dart player. Mm. Because of the, the distance of the ball from the end of the So, yeah. from. So, if you think how many times Phil the Power Taylor would hit a bullseye <laughs> out of 100, the best in the world, mm-hmm. ever, um, that gives you an idea of, of the margin for error you have as a bowler volume worker. So, if you expect to sit in a bowler's meeting and have an analyst tell you that you need to bowl because of this particular bloke and then to go out onto the pitch and be able to execute that without having done hundreds of hours of practice, then you're going to be disappointed more often than not. So I have a cushion, a, uh, a boundary, a triangular foam boundary board that we use in the UK with sponsor name. I, mm-hmm. I nicked one of them. I, I put that along the crease uh, and every practice session I, I go through all my variations and at the end I have to hit that target ten times before i Sometimes it takes me four or five overs, sometimes it takes me 14
1: balls. They're just, they're just uh, at this point, I want to tell the listeners to actually go look up on YouTube of you practicing that it's there. Uh, I was going to ask you about your training techniques for uh, yorkers. Uh, uh, so you have that target uh, similar to what uh, Malina says uh, about hey, putting shoes on the crease and different lines and you know, different depths of the crease. It was,
0: yeah, I mean, it was the Melinga that sort of inspired that method of practice. I see.
1: Uh, however, um, batsmen, they're moving uh, you know, ahead or going way deep in the crease, like someone like Kyren Pollard or Hadik Pandya, or most of the batsmen these days go very deep in the crease to combat that yorker menace. So, what do you do as a bowler to stay one step ahead?
0: Uh, in practice, um, I don't change that, I, I, I just practice for the line, because actually what I'm trying to get out of that practice is a confidence that I can land the ball at, on, on a target, uh, and I'm putting myself under pressure to achieve that within as few of the balls as possible. Uh, in a game, what you find is that you just naturally adjust, um, and if you're giving yourself, as I say, the angle I talked about, of a meter, um, that gives you a fair bit of of leeway of someone hanging backwards
1: in forward? I mean, and given that it's a hard delivery to bowl, uh, is it easier, so to speak, uh, with an older ball? Um, why don't we see, um, you know, bowlers bowling yorkers with a new ball? I think Malinga kind of does in swinging yorkers. With, otherwise, it's almost, you know, well, I'll just use the conventional swing hit the good length, um, but why don't people try bridge with uh, the new ball?
0: I think there's probably a couple of reasons. Firstly, as you touch on now, it's slightly harder to bowl with a new ball. The new ball is slightly harder to control than an older ball. Um, but it's still possible, and I occasionally do it. I think the other consideration is when you've got a new ball in your hand and you've got two sweepers out, um, quite often it'll be maybe third man and deep square or maybe deep square and deep cover or whatever, depending on who, the, who you're bowling at. And therefore, if you miss your, your kabai, 12 inches, uh, you're going to disappear down the ground for, for four or six more often than not. Whereas at the death, you've got protection there. So um, it makes it a slightly different consideration. Plus, as you said, the new ball a little bit, steam movement and swing potentially. So mm-hmm. ball that more traditional length and sometimes. Can be
1: you mentioned about uh, the margin of error. I mean, what the target that you're trying to hit uh, compared to the bullseye. On a dot board. Um, so is it fair to assume that that's the one hardest to execute and hence, not hence, um, has the smallest margin of error? Um, what, which of those uh, variations um, outside of, you know, whatever your stock delivery is good length or back length, whatever. Um, which of those variations give you the most margin of error? Which of them have the least margin of error? which hey, one you have the most confidence to bowl at any given moment? I think the
0: Yorker is the hardest to get right consistently. But I think it's also, when executed correctly, the most effective. So you have to work out in your head whether you think it's, it's worth attempting to bowl what is a more deli- difficult delivery with a lower margin for error, knowing that if you execute it well, then you will have more success. I think that's why a lot of people shy away from Yorkers because they don't back themselves to execute it and they know that if you don't execute it then you're going to get hurt um, as I say for me it's, it's the ball that I practice the most because it's, it's the ball that uh, when push comes to shove if I'm under pressure and I'm undecided about what delivery to bowl I will always err on the side of the Yorker, and, and having the confidence from practice to
1: deliver that is essential so which one has the Biggest margin of error that you, let's say, if you fail to execute, you can still get away with it? It's
0: a Good question. Um, I think maybe depending on the day and the batsman and the dimensions of the ground, maybe something like a slow ball bouncer, you can bowl various different lengths from sort of hip high all the way through to head high, then you might get the same result. I think with a Yorker that's wide on the wide line or just inside the wide line, you've probably got more margin for error with your length. You know, if you bowl a slot ball on middle stone, it's probably going to go for four or six. If you bowl a slot ball just inside the wide line, mm-hmm. you might get skewed out to cover or uh, edge down to third line or hit out to off. So, you've got more margin when you uh, change the line of the ball. If you're bowling on the stones, you've got no margin.
1: Hmm. So, your evaluation of risk um, of which delivery to bowl, obviously, I'm assuming, wait, with the match situation too. If you have Six runs to defend of six deliveries versus 24 runs of six deliveries. What do you choose to go,
0: it just entirely depends on the batsman and the the pitch that they're playing on the dimensions of the ground. But I think um, those evaluations of risk you might you might laugh at this, but I think I have played a lot of poker in my life, mm-hmm. and I credit um, Texas Hold'em poker for my ability to make good decisions more often than not on a cricket pitch, because I do think that T20 is the most tactical format of the game, and, and the most, uh, most similar to a game of chess or a game of poker. So I would credit, I would credit poker for that.
1: It's a fascinating thing um, that you say. Most tactical form of the game. Uh, but when we listen to how the game is talked about by... The laymen, the punters, um, even ex cricketers in on radio and television, newspapers—you don't see that um, appreciation of this sport. You know, it played the same equipment, but entirely different sport Mm -hmm. in terms of managing risk and resources. Do you feel that you know the sport is being done some severe injustice, or uh, that uh, why is that? Why why don't we see better uh, illumination? of the sport, of the strategies uh, involved. I think there's a, a traditionalist, a massive traditionalist
0: fraternity within within our game that shuns T20 full stop. So you're never going to hear them credit T20 with the more tactical than the format of the game. I read an article recently, uh, in an interview with Ricky Ponting, where he, he described T20 as the most tactical, uh, tactical format of the game. But I think he still said that test cricket is the most difficult, which I would agree with. Mm-hmm. Uh, without a doubt uh, despite having not played I would, I would say that first class cricket is yeah. it's the most difficult to be um, successful at but actually when it comes to the heat of battle and the pressure cooker and, and tactics uh, T20 hands down so it's probably starting to get more, more and more credit for that uh, and that's perhaps part of the reason why it's,
1: it's been so hugely successful um, so we talked about slowers and Yorkers. I want to marry those two things: um, the slow Yorkers, uh, slower Yorker rather. Um, I want to talk about two deliveries. Uh, one that Malinga bowled um, in the IPL final, and the one, another one that uh, Jasprit Bumrah bowled to Sean Marsh. Mm. Would you like to break those two deliveries for me? Yeah, why not? Yeah.
0: Yeah, so it's Bumrah's uh, round the wicket and it hits him actually on the full in the middle of the shin. Um, and it's 70 miles an hour rather than probably sort of, you know, 85, 90, which Jasprit would normally bowl. Um, I mean, you would have to ask him if he intended for it to be that full. I would say it's unlikely that he intended it to be quite that full, but, but what you are always conscious of as a bowler, or I personally am, I've spoken to Dwayne Bravo about it, um, And I think he would agree, you'd certainly rather be on the full side than on the short side with a slow ball. If you bowl a slow ball too short, unless it's an intentional slow ball bouncer, it's more likely to sit up and and get hurt. Whereas if you go full with it, you might get a little bit of dip. um, And uh, you've got a a bigger margin for error from that length than short.
1: Okay. Here is uh, Malinga bowling the uh, last delivery of IPL 2019.
0: What an unbelievable match! Yeah, just absolutely unbelievable. Such a, you know, the biggest stage in T Twenty cricket. It's it, you know, Lassith is um, just a genius. He's he's one of the best ever ever death bowlers. And and all I could say is is that no matter how nervous you think he would have been, that uh, stood at the end of his mark there. Um, he would have been ten times less nervous, actually stood at the end of his mark, than we would be sat watching it. You know, you'd always rather be out there on the pitch with your ball in your hand because um, I can only speak from personal experience, but I've heard other people say the same. You aren't really nervous in that situation out on the pitch, but all your friends and family are in the stands <laughs> beside themselves. So, yeah, again, he's running and bowled his off-cutter. Um, it's on the full side. And, um what an incredible moment! I mean, it's just you know once in a lifetime.
1: Um, watching those two deliveries uh, for me, one Sean Marsh, uh, he's playing for lunch, so he's intent on defense. Mm. Whereas um, the IPL game, the batsman needs two runs of one ball to win the game, so he's intent on attack. Mm. And both of them beat the batters quite convincingly. Mm. So what is it, what is it that you're seeing that allows them to? be whether the batsman
0: is on offence or defence in the field. It's difficult to say out of context because um, Lassith would have known on that night what kind of deliveries had been most effective on that pitch. He would have known, um, having bowled at those batsmen before, what their strong areas are, where they're looking to hit you. Um, and the other thing is as well, with, when it comes to the whole pressure thing, in some ways, the fact that they needed two off the last ball is better than if they needed four or six. Because as the bowler, no one is going to vilify you if they get those two runs. But if you stop them getting them, as Lassith did, then you're a hero. Um, whereas if they need five or six off the last ball and you get hit out of the ground for six, then you're potentially a bit more of a villain. So, um, Yeah, but I mean, God, what, a, what, what an amazing game of cricket and what an amazing climax to what is a an amazing competition.
1: Alright, uh, I would like you to break down one more uh, YouTube clip here, which is of you bowling for knots uh, in a T20 uh, talented class. This is where uh, you took a four for 17, mm-hmm. I believe. So I'm going to play the video and then you can break it down. I can link it uh, in the uh, show.
0: Yeah, so this is T20 Finals Day 2017. Um, We've got 190 on the board, which was a big score and uh, my first wicket was Dom Sibley back of the hand slower ball which just sort of dipped on him Um, my second wicket was an off cutter to to De Grandholm who um, chopped onto his stumps and then I got Hayne out who was sort of their last hope really with uh, an attempted wide Yorker which ended up being a low full toss that he skewed to mid off and then um, a back of the hand slower ball at the end um, which which Thomason tried to sort of sweep and just top edged up to the keeper you know it was it was, it was one of those days where um, things went my way my variations were effective um, and it was on the biggest stage for domestic cricket in the UK so um, a day that I've got very fond memories of uh, you know, having picked up three wickets in the semi-final as well um, yeah really proud of that
1: fantastic, on that note Harry, thanks a lot for being on the show I appreciate your time, cheers mate
0: pleasure